chapter 6, a different spirit. John 13 is the passage that we have looked at before, but he uses this as the basis for this chapter. And uh, this is, of course, Jesus, as we had on the quiz, Jesus washing the disciples what? Feet. Okay, very good. I think everybody got that. And uh, demonstrating what? Don't say a different spirit. Okay, service. Uh, Okay, what else? What else was Jesus demonstrating as he washed the disciples' feet? Humility. Humility, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Kevin, were you going to say something? Okay, you looked like you were going to put up a hand. Let the record show that Kevin is not going to say anything. Um, Let's read these verses. John 13, 1 through 5. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come. Now, pause. Where are they at this point? Jesus knows his hour has come that he should depart from this world of the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. The supper and supper being ended. What supper? Passover. Yeah. So they're celebrating Passover, right? And Jesus is instituting the what? Where are they? Yeah. Right. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to John. I mean, you can look at it. But John 13, Jesus is about to institute the Lord's Supper here. And um, this is the uh, before the feast of the Passover, they're preparing to, to um, celebrate the Passover. And that's verses. We have verses one through five on on the handout. But Jesus washes the disciples feet. Then he identifies his betrayer in verses 18 through 30 or so. Judas goes out um, and and Jesus says, I, a new commandment I give you, verse 34, that you love one another. And um, Jesus goes through a number of things, a lot of instruction here that actually takes place in these uh, in these chapters, uh, chapters 14, 15, Jesus is still talking. Um, so a lot, a lot going on here, but this is the, the last last supper, right? So. Jesus is instituting, he's, he's showing them this is what you should do uh, until I come. But before he does that, I believe it falls before he does that, that um, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And just imagine this, uh, it says, Supper being ended, the devil having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. So, um, the first one is a submissive spirit. You have that from, from the book, of course, but a submissive spirit. Consider what we have here. Jesus is the creator of heaven and earth. He is Almighty God. Um, he's in the upper room here with his disciples. And they, they've come in, and as we've said, I mean, they, they would have been dirty. The, the roads, the, the, uh, the dust and, and everything on the roads would have been such that as they walk on their sandals, you know, you guys know this, like, they, they would have been dirty. Their feet would have been dirty. And they get, they, they sit down and they, they go through all the stuff, and no one, I mean, customarily, someone would have, a servant of some kind would have washed their feet, because it was not pleasant to have all this dust and, and everything on your feet. Um, 
but but it would seem that they're alone and you have these 12 disciples of Jesus who have all been sitting around the table with Jesus and not a single one of them has volunteered to to do this menial task and I, I don't know about you I sometimes think when I think about this story I sometimes think about what like you, you know how this feels, right? When, when, when somebody that probably shouldn't have to do something goes to do something and you're like, oh, oh, oh. it's like, oh, it's too late. Like I should have volunteered already. I missed my chance. Um, I, we've all been in that kind of situation where it's like, and, and I mean, this is like the ultimate of that kind of situation, right? Here you have these 12 guys who have been following Jesus around for three and a half years, learning from him. He's been teaching them about what, what you know, being a servant leader. <laughs> and, and the last shall be first. And, and, and demonstrating love to people and, and seeing needs and, and meeting needs everywhere he goes. And showing compassion to people. But yet, these 12 guys, they're still sitting here and not one of them. I mean, what do these guys argue about when they walk along the way? As they're going to different places, what do they argue about? Which one is the best? Who's the who's the greatest in the kingdom, right? And, and who who's gonna who gets to sit on his right hand? And they still are. That's where they're still at. They still have not gotten gotten the whole point of this. And not a single one of them has been willing to get up. And all of them thinks all of them are thinking, what? What are what are they all thinking? Not before Jesus. Like we talk about what what happens when Jesus gets up in a second, but like. As they're all sitting around a table, you know, we pictured the Last Supper. We don't know exactly what it would have looked like, right? But as they're all sitting around like this, what are they all sitting there thinking? Somebody else should do this. They probably all have a name in mind. Yeah. I mean, Big Mouth Peter. He probably ought to do this. I mean, or Bartholomew, you know, the, the, the no-name guy that nobody really knows much about. Or what, whatever, okay? Um... Not Bartholomew, who, who, who like, uh, Nathaniel. Yeah. Okay. Like somebody that we, you know, if somebody else should do it, that's what they're thinking. So what do they think as soon as Jesus stands up, rose from supper, lays aside his garments. And as he's doing that, they're all having that like gut sinking. Oh no, the master is about to do this, Right. I mean, what are you thinking at that point? Man, I, I cannot believe I let him, like, he's going to do that. And then, and then it's kind of funny, too, because, like, Peter, verse 9 says, um, or in verse 8, you shall never wash my feet. <laughs> and Jesus says, I do not wash you. If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And then what does Peter say? Well, give me a bath then, okay? <laughs> Wash all of me, Lord. Um, you know, and, and you can just imagine Jesus kind of, not, maybe not chuckling, but almost rolling his eyes at Peter, like, okay, Peter, whatever. Um, so Jesus submits himself to both the will of his father and his death. He also submits himself to be lower than the disciples and to do this menial task. He demonstrates true, true humility with a submissive spirit. Second, the sensitive spirit, having loved his own who were in the world. He had his antenna up, you might say. Jesus was sensitive to the needs of the people around him. We've seen this over and over and over again. I put Luke chapter 10, 
on there on your notes, verses 30 through 37. Does anybody know off the top of your head what that passage is? Luke chapter 10 is uh, the, the Good Samaritan, right, Hudson? Good Samaritan. So, what's the story of the Good Samaritan? And the man's beaten up on the side of the road. On the side of the road. The Pharisee walks by. And the priest walks by, right? Finally, the Samaritan walks by um, and sees the need and is willing to submit himself to doing, a, again, a menial task, something that nobody else wanted to do, something that the, the Pharisee and the priest were not willing to become unclean to do. But the Samaritan sees the need and is sensitive to the needs of those around him. And I, I was just, you know, I was, as I was thinking about this earlier today and, and throughout the day, just thinking about, you know, how, how often we move so quickly um, we are so busy. <laughs> and we, we, we miss the people around us who, who have needs. Um, are, you, are you sensitive to that? You know, are you sensitive to listen to people? Uh, we've talked about that, you know, with the whole how you doing, you know, kind of thing. And people, people are often... You know, you, you can tell by the way people say, good, you know, how they respond, whether they're actually good or not. But he was sensitive. He was, he had a sacrificial spirit. He says he loved them to the end. Obviously, Jesus was aware of what he was about to do. Um, you know, he, Jesus could have said in, here at the last supper, he could have said, listen, you guys know what I'm about to do. I mean, I'm, I'm about to die for you. For your sins and for the sins of everybody else in the world. You can't do this one little thing for me before I do this for you. Um, but yeah, he was willing to sacrifice and then a satisfied spirit. And he, he take, I thought this was kind of interesting. If you look back in John 13, he takes this from the end um, of that, you know, kind of of that section. Jesus still speaking, obviously, but. Um, after he washes his disciples' feet, after Peter says, you know, not my feet, but also my hands on my head and, and all that stuff. Um, in verse 17, Jesus speaking, and he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And often, I don't know, does anybody have anything other than um, New King James? What do you have? Is it, do you have ESV? Is that ESV? Hudson's got NASB. Oh, wow. What does uh, the NASB say there, verse 17? John yes, sir. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe it would say happy. I don't know. Does the ESV say happy? No. A lot of... doesn't? Okay. A lot of times, they, those, those kind of ideas are, are somewhat interchangeable. And, um, you know, happy are you, you know, you're satisfied. And, and I think most of us have done this. We, we've experienced this where, whether it's on a mission trip or doing, doing work around here or helping somebody, helping a neighbor, doing something, you know, unasked, unpaid, just out of the goodness and, and kindness of your heart. You do something for somebody. You shovel somebody's lawn or, or lawn. <laughs> you shovel somebody's driveway, which I don't know. I guess you guys don't haven't ever shoveled driveways. But like if, you know. You go to rake somebody's leaves, you know, without being asked. And, and there's, there's, some, there's a level of satisfaction and, and joy 
that is found in, in, in serving, um, for sure. And so he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He points out the fact that the typical leader of this world looks enviously up whatever ladder he is climbing and suspiciously down. Did y'all catch that? He looks enviously up whatever ladder he is climbing and suspiciously down. What do you, what do you think he means by that? I mean, he always wants to be where whoever is above him. He wants to be where that is. He wants the highest levels of prestige. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's afraid that somebody below him wants to be where he is. Right. So he's fighting off his position he's fighting position. yeah he's never happy where he's at yeah he's never satisfied where he's at he's never like like just saying hey you know what i'm going to serve and do what i'm called to do right here god has given me a task to do right here right now and that applies to, to every single one of us okay all of us live all of us whether you work and have a job or not you you work and you go to school and you and you do things right we interact with people. We have lives that God has called us to. And in, in this moment, God is, it's not a mistake or it's, and it's not a, it's not a stepping stone, right? It's not a, Hey, well, I, I'm going to do this until I'm done with school or I'm going to do this. Like, well, yeah, of course. But like God has you where he wants you right now for a reason. And he has a, a, a task and, and work and people that you can serve where you are currently. Day to day, I think, especially at where most, you know, where most of you are uh, in life, the temptation is to always see it as, uh, yeah, I just, I just got to get through this and then I can do good things. You know, then I can accomplish great things for God. And I've got to, I've got to just get to this point and, and you can spend your entire life doing that. You can spend your whole life. I know it doesn't seem like it now because you've got all these big things coming like graduation and maybe driving or college or whatever, you know, and, and these all things seem and they're, they're big things and it is, they're a big deal, but you get there and you're like, well, there's always the next thing, you know, there's always going to be something else. And, and, and I would just encourage you guys to, to say, okay, you know, I'm going to be satisfied where I'm at. I'm going to serve where I'm at. I'm going to see who God has called me to serve where I'm at. Uh, because there's ministry and service everywhere. There's people and hurt, hurting people, uh, everywhere you go. But yeah, I thought that was a really good idea or a good thought of like, which is why the ladder, you know, that we talk about the corporate ladder and, and the whole idea of a ladder, it kind of, it, it, it resonates with us because you think you, you kind of think of climbing that ladder, you know, and you're trying to make it to the top. Um, and, and, you know, the people that are below you that are, they're also trying to climb. And so you look at them like, Oh, you know, I got, I got to watch out for you because you're trying to take my job and the people above you, you're like, I wish I was them. You know, it's not satisfied. You know, there's people and opportunities to serve at every single level. Um, all right. So different spirit, any thoughts or uh, anything else on that, that, that you all wanted to comment on before we move on to a different love or anything that stuck out to you guys? Um, just the, the thing that he pointed out about, you know, the disciples, that they didn't do it, mm-hmm. uh, most of them didn't do it because they thought that Jesus would think less of them if they did it. Yeah. It was like none of them volunteered because all of them were fighting for that right hand spot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if I do this, I'm showing that I'm less than everybody else here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't that our temptation too? Like we, we, we think, well, if I subject myself to that level, you know, if I do that task um then everybody won't think 
that I'm so great. You know, and the reality is that, I mean, you shouldn't do it for this reason, of course, but the reality is that when people see that you're willing to do those tasks that other people don't want to do, uh, it demonstrates a humility, it demonstrates a maturity, um, and people do notice that. And again, that's not why we do it, and that's not the reason you don't say, okay, I'm going to go scrub toilets so everybody sees me scrub toilets, right? Um, it's still pride, you know, at that point, because then you're still thinking, I just hope everybody sees me. And I think honest, all, all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we often do things um, with maybe at least a little bit in the back of our mind, I hope, I hope somebody sees me doing this, you know, and, and it's wrong, it's pride. You know, I was thinking, well, I mean, maybe if, if, they, if they see me doing this, then they'll think better of me. Right. That's not a, that's not a, a heart of service. So, uh, there's also a lot we can say about a different love, obviously. So chapter seven, uh, let's have somebody look up first John, John chapter four. Can somebody look up the first John? There's a couple of verses there in first John four. One of you guys mind doing that? Anyway, Kevin, thank you. Um, and then somebody look up Matthew 22, 35 through 40. Abby, and then First John four. Well, we'll come. Yeah, somebody else can do First John four, eleven, and twelve. Mm-hmm. Sophia, okay. So we'll get the first knock out of the first couple of these here. Love comes from God. First um, John four, ten, sixteen, and nineteen. Yeah. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and He who abides in love abides in God, and God in Him. We loved him because he first loved us. Yeah, so who initiated that love? Was it us or God? We love him because he... Yeah. Uh, he took the first step. Excuse me. We love him because he first loved us. Um, God is the one who, who... Now it says in verse 16 that Kevin just read that God is love. So love comes from God. We're getting that from that idea. But when it says that God is love, when how many of you have taken geometry? Taking geometry? What is is? Equals. Equals. So love, excuse me, God equals love. True or false? Well, is is equals, right? In geometry. Love is not God. This is like algebra half. <laughs> but but in geometry, the word is in a, in a theorem. Is that correct? I hate theorems. Can you just okay? Second grade. I actually like geometry. All right, all right, all right, all right. A proof theorem, whatever they're called. Okay. Uh, the word is is an equal sign, right? And I, what I loved about geometry is it's clean. It's like, here are the rules. Everything stays within these rules. I like that, right? I don't like Greek, where it's like, here are the rules, and then like the rules are this long, and all the exceptions to the rules are down oh, like this. Sounded good to them. So, yeah, I mean, it's like like language. Yeah, language is a lot of... It's because it's, it sounded good to them, so we have to learn what sounds good to them. There's a lot of exceptions... In language, so I like I like I like that about at least geometry because there was like it's it's clean. It's like boom, this equals this. Okay, so is is equals. So 
if we take it like that, then God is love. So God equals love. No, because you can't reverse that, right? If, if, if God equals love, then love equals God. Now, God is love. Okay, that's what it says. <laughs> but, but God is also much more than love, right? Um, there's, there's a, there is a lot of thinking like this, actually, today. Well, God, I mean, all, all God is is just love, okay? And love is like the most important part of God. Well, lo- God is love, and there's no part of God that's more or less than any other part of God, because he's God. He's perfect. And, and he is exactly what he is. He's always been exactly who he is from, from all of time. Um, but, but if God is love, then love is God. And that's not true. Love is more, God is much more than love. Like what else is God that might relate to the discussion of God being love? God is also what? Okay. He's omniscient, but like specifically related to like, God is love. Okay. Like then we, we have this idea of, well, God is love. Then, then we have, then we have a really hard time, and a lot of people have a hard time today with the idea of a God who is also just, right, and who judges sin, who 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 chastens the ungodly, and 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 judges the wicked. So um, we have to keep those things in in perspective. But the point is that God that God is the originator of love, and that love comes this this kind of love the kind of love that we're talking about the self-sacrificing unselfish giving love comes from god number two love is not primarily an emotion it is a command matthew 22 35 through 40 who has that okay. thank you so first commandment is love God. Yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. How many of you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength today? Nobody. Wow. I mean, how many of you loved your neighbor as yourself today? I mean, you think about it, you know, sometimes when I'm praying and, and I'm trying to think through, okay, I mean, my go-to list is, forgive me for not loving you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Forgive me for not loving my neighbor as, as, yourself, as myself. Forgive me for not loving my wife as Christ loves the church. I mean, boom, right there. I can knock a bunch of stuff out just with those three things. He says on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Now, I'm not, I mean, I, I do strive to do those things, and sometimes I, I probably do occasionally. But, but man, I mean, those are, that's, a big, that's a big ask. He says on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Like, if you're, if you're actually loving God and loving others the way that we're called to, everything else is covered. You got it all down. Because that's, I mean, there's nothing outside of that. Um, but, but we, we do fail in that. And, and, but yet we have that command and it occurred to me today as I was thinking about this, you know, um, but yet we still like that. Those are the first and second greatest commandments, but yet we still struggle when people say, well, love is a command. Well, it's clear. That's what it says. It's very clear. Love God, love one another. 
We are called to love. So, so it's not primarily an emotion. It's not, it's, it's not, it, no, is love a feeling? Yes. Okay. Um, but, but it's not primarily a feeling. It is first and foremost a command and something that we are called to do. Can anyone quote the, the core value, the love core value? Does anybody, uh, can anyone hack does it, does it, okay would someone like to read it if nobody can quote it go ahead Kate. love is the choice to give sacrificially to those who may not deserve it without any pretense or receiving benefit pretense of receiving benefit right yes so love is a is a what what's the first two what? love is a fourth word it's a choice okay God choice Love is, excuse me, the choice, okay? Love is the choice. It is something that you have decided to do. I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I know I, you guys probably get sick of hearing this, right? You guys hear this a lot. I probably, I don't know that I ever heard this. Like, I, when I was your age, I don't, maybe I just didn't hear it. Maybe I heard it, but nobody told me. Or, excuse me, maybe... <laughs> I'm so tired. You, you hear things. Huh? I hear lots of things. <laughs> Maybe I heard it, but I just wasn't listening, right? Which there's a difference. Um, but I, I, I don't know. But guys, like this is so, so important. God is telling us like this is something you've got to do. And this, this applies to, I'm not saying that you don't have feelings of love, okay? You know, when you fall in love with somebody, right? But this has applications for your dating and relationships as well. And when you choose to love someone, you choose to marry someone, you're choosing to love them. You're not choosing to love them until you fall out of love. You're going to fall out of love at some point. You know, you probably fall back into love, <laughs> but you're probably going to fall out within the first six months of marriage, you're gonna be like, I just don't feel like loving this person anymore. Do you guys believe that? I promise you. It's a terrible thing. No, it's not. It's reality. Okay. Cause you know what? You can't trust your feelings and you wake, I mean, do you wake up every day wanting to honor and reverence your parents and respect them? Now, sometimes you do. Sometimes you're like, man, no, this is a different thing. I understand. But I'm just saying like there, there are days where you feel like doing what you're supposed to do. And there are days that you feel like you shouldn't or that you don't want to. Do you follow your feelings on those days? Sometimes. Should you follow your feelings on those days that you don't feel like doing what you're supposed to do? Do you always feel like going to school, feel like listening to your teachers, feel like doing what you're supposed to do? No, but it's a choice. It's something that you are called to do. And so hopefully you choose to, to do it. But um, anyway, we, there's a lot of implications for that, but Number three, love is sacrificial, not self-focused. Um, I think we're gonna we're, we're not gonna look up these words. I mean, Romans five eight. What does Romans five eight say? But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, okay. So how does God show us His love? According to Romans five eight. for us yeah, he demonstrates his, the New King James, I, I memorized it years ago as, as the King James, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemy, Paul calls us enemies of the cross of Christ. 
We were enemies. We were against the cross. We were against what Christ was doing. While we were still enemies, he loved us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? He loved the world so much. He loved the world in this way that he gave his only begotten son. So God demonstrated his love by sacrificing, sacrificing his own son, sacrificing himself in the case of Jesus Christ. God demonstrates his love by giving, by, by being willing to be, to, to sacrifice, not being selfish. Um, we ought to be willing to sacrifice for others. And then love is also very practical. And of course, you guys are familiar with first Corinthians 13. And I like this. It's, uh, he says it's practical. It's not, this is not just a philosophical idea. This is not just like, uh, Ooh, that's not, you know, Hey, yes, we love, you know, that sounds nice. No, like, no, here's, here's how this actually happens. You're not defensive. You suffer, you're patient, you suffer long. Um, you're looking to be useful in someone's life. You're kind, you're not jealous. You don't envy, um, the small unapplauded leader is not puffed up. Courteous does not behave unseemly. Unselfish seeks not her own. Non-explosive is not easily provoked. The forgiving leader thinks no evil. Think about that for a second. Thinks no evil. Doesn't mean that you don't call sin, sin, right? But what does thinks no evil mean? You're not inclined to think the worst of people. Early. Yeah. Or, or even if you see them acting in a certain way and you think, you know, I think they're doing that because they want to annoy me, right? I've talked, have I talked about this, about my sister? No. I must've been in counseling. Uh, Oh, you want to hear this? Yeah, yeah. You, you, were, uh, you did counseling because of this? No. Uh, so, so, like, growing up, I, my sister, my younger sister, she was six years younger than me. And so, that, you know, that's a, that's a decent gap. It's not terrible, but it's a reasonable gap. And uh, for me at the time, I just thought, oh. when she was really little, I, I, this is terrible. I always said, I love my sister. And we got along great until she started talking, <laughs> which is awful. Okay. It's a terrible thing. You should not say that. Um, but, uh, I, I had in my mind that she lived her life to annoy me. Like you guys know what this is. I mean, you guys all have siblings, right? I mean, like th- this is like her mission in life. <laughs> Is to like, 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 as if she had nothing better to do, right? And this is, I mean, can you think of a more? I'm sorry, can, but can you think of a more selfish way of looking at life and thinking that this person who lives in the same house with me, she spends all of her time coming up with ways to annoy me? Like, it's all about, it's still all about me, and 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 to think that I'm important enough to her that she spends all of her time trying to annoy me. That's silly. But I was convinced. And, and I, I mean, I can hear myself saying it. Mom! Mom, she's, she's purposely annoying me again! Mom always says, is it working? <laughs> and obviously it was. She's purposely annoying me! 
<laughs> Your dad didn't tell me to say this, so. Um, yeah, so like, but, but how selfish is that? And, and I thought I knew her intentions. She may have just been existing. And I'm convinced now, there's a lot of times where she, not, not because she was annoying, but she just, she was a little girl, you know, and, and she was small and, and she wanted to be, I mean, me and my brother were only two years apart, not even two years apart. There's four years between my brother and her and she was, she got left out. I mean, she, whatever we were doing, we didn't want her to be a part of it. You know, we're doing our thing. Okay. Just being honest with you guys. So. She wanted to be a part of it. So it wasn't that she was intentionally annoying me. Um, but in my mind, I thought I thought evil of her. It says, thinks no evil, right? So I, I was not, in my mind, thinking the best of her. I was thinking, I know what she's doing. And we do this all the time. You see people, you're going to do this in your marriage. You're going to think, I know what they're doing. Okay. And you do this with your friends. I know they, they're trying to get me to do such and such. I, they're trying to get me to say that. They know how to get under my skin. They know just what to do. And they're doing that on purpose. Now, maybe they are. But, but that's not love, right? Thinks no evil. Um, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Pure. Covering leader bears all things. Let love is, is. Are you willing to let love cover it? Right. Um, sometimes we are called to confront when things happen, and we're not able to. We can't let love cover. We, we're not able to to say, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna even think about it anymore. I'm gonna put that out of my mind. That's let, let love cover it. But if you're saying no, it's, it keeps coming back. Then you got to confront it. But being willing to do that. Believes the best about others, hopes all things, again, related to that, thinks no evil. And then the never quit leader endures all things. So a lot of, a lot of things to think about, okay? Um, all of us, none of us are, are doing this perfectly for sure. Question, does the world's understanding of love agree or disagree with the Bible's understanding? Totally disagrees, totally disagrees right? The world's idea of love is what can you do for me? I'll love you, you love me. And guys, I'm going to tell you, there, there's actually, I mean, it, we've put, it's, I'm not saying these people are evil, but there's a Christian label on this now um, with the, the five love languages, okay? I'm not saying this is a bad book or that you, you can't read it, but what I am saying is that, I forget, what's the name of the guy who wrote that? Um, I forget. <laughs> Um, there's some value in, in, in thinking through the way that you relate to other people and what your quote love language is. But what that very quickly turns into is I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I'll, I'll speak your love language as long as you speak mine. We're good. You're good. Okay, cool. But when you stop doing it, all of a sudden, well, hey, now they don't intend that. But that's what it very quickly disintegrates to, I fear. An I scratch your back, you scratch mine situation. So, I would just say that, like, just be careful with that. But, but, but the broader world, the idea of love as a feeling, you know, you fall in love and you fall out of love. And you stop. people get divorced because they say, well, I, I fell out of love. Well, you stopped choosing to love. You made a commitment. You stopped, you stopped choosing to love that person. 
Um, you know, and there, there's obviously a host of other reasons that people get divorced. I'm not saying that that's the only reason. Just the idea of like love being a choice is a biblical concept that's completely against um, the world. So anyway, okay, let you guys go. Thank you. It's 8:30, but uh, we will reconvene next week. Chapters eight and nine. So, okay. Thank you. Kevin, you